Hey, I'm Shauna. I'm a business mentor and leadership coach. After years of working with leaders and professionals, the one thing I can say is I do not have all the answers. And guess what? I'm okay with that. This podcast is dedicated to having the conversations with the people who have been where you are or have the expertise that will help you to streamline, simplify, and take the guesswork out of growing and scaling your business. Each week, we will dive into guest interviews, tips, trends, and strategies that will help you to cut through the fluff. So if you are ready to take your business to the next level, stick around. This is the Skill to Grow podcast. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Scale to Grow podcast. Today, we are talking about the four-step process you need for you to see an ROI in your marketing. So I have with me today, Emma Tesler, who is the founder and CEO of 95 Media, which is a digital marketing agency that builds results-driven marketing strategies for scaling brands. They have helped over 100 clients in 25 plus industries to connect with ideal clients build community and convert audience members into paying customers. So I'm so glad to have Emma because she brings over eight years of marketing experience and is on a mission to disrupt the digital marketing space for years to come. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Yes, I'm glad to have you on because this is going to be such a fun episode. Like, uh, I just love it. So What is your favorite part about what you do in your business right now? So, I mean, we do so much fun stuff in our business. I think when it comes to marketing, we got really lucky and we have a lot of amazing brands that we get to work with and that keeps our job really fun. But right now we're kind of in this pullback period where my role is a lot of developing new processes, new services, new kind of departments within our team as well. Mm -hmm. And so right now, a lot of my position is that kind of creation of workflow and SOPs and things like that. And I think that that's really fun just because I get to kind of take that step back out of the day to day and work on those things, which is a little different. But our team just gets to create the most fun content. We have brands who create, you know, bachelorette party merchandise and just fun things like that, which could not be more fun to create content with like penis straws on a day-to-day basis. (laughs) Okay. So what is your favorite industry? Are you going to say the wedding industry? The wedding industry is really fun. Honestly, we do have a couple of clients in that space right now, and it just, it keeps you on your toes and there's always really exciting content to create in there. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I would love to be a fly on the wall to just kind of be in that bachelorette party and just kind of be like, oh, what's going on in this place? <laughs> I know. It's so fun. Our team gets to be sent product to like create content. And I just can imagine her house just being filled with, you know, bachelorette party things. <laughs> well, you hopefully only get married once. So, you know, <laughs> hopefully, but she'll have more than enough when the time comes. <laughs> exactly. All right. So. Well, I'm assuming this is the fun stuff that you got to do, but why did you decide to focus on creating like a digital marketing agency of all the businesses that are out there? Yeah, I mean, when I started, there really weren't all of these brands that exist today in our space. And I found the digital marketing industry back in 2015, and it really wasn't even an industry back then. And I really stumbled upon it at an internship where I like shouldn't have found it. I was interning for an interior designer 
and she just really wanted to expand her brand on Instagram. And she was like, I've heard this is a thing. Let's try it out. And I was the youngest person on her team. She handed me her phone and was like, here you go. Work it out. Tell me how it goes. And I just saw a lot of white space. And I said, you know, how are more brands not seeing this? How is this not standard for businesses to be talking about their products, their offers, what they're selling on this platform. And I really could just see the potential of it at that point. And it was really exciting to me because interior design, the field I was in, is a very antiquated space. And, you know, it seems really fun on the outside, but at the end of the day, like it's kind of old school and it just wasn't, you know, modern and exciting to me. And marketing really was. And so it kind of lit this fire under me and it made me really excited to side hustle my way into building 95 Media and what it is today. But I mean, it's much more intimidating to create a brand in this space today where the space is very, very saturated. There are a million and one social media managers. Everyone's cousin's brother's girlfriend thinks that they're a social media manager today. But back then it really was, you know, a lot of opportunity. And I do still think there is a lot of opportunity in this space, but it was really that inspiration of, wow, there's so much, you know, available here. There's so much opportunity to help other people scale their brands that, you know, inspired me to start what is now 95 Media. Oh my God. That sounds like such a wild ride, like sitting back, looking at the phone and going, wait a second, are you me? nobody knows about this stuff. What else is here? What's missing? Yeah. That must have been such a like awesome experience. So now you've been doing this now for eight years. So how has the industry kind of shifted? I know you said now there's there's a bit of saturation, but um, in terms of the work that you're doing, do you find there's like a big shift or is it kind of relatively growing based on the pace? I think the better question is what has not changed in eight years? <laughs> This this industry and, you know, social media as a whole has just done a full 180 and nothing looks like it did in 2015. But that is the reason that I'm still here. You know, that that change and that constant keeping you on your toes is what I find really exciting about this space. And I, you know, as challenging as it is to keep up with it and constantly be innovating and constantly staying on top of all of this. I truly think that's why everyone gets into this industry who chooses to be a part of it because it is really exciting and it's something different every single day. And I mean, over the past three years since 2020, when you know COVID hit, uh, TikTok hit the scene and video content has absolutely changed the way that consumers consume content. Mm-hmm. More has changed in the past three years than it has in the five years prior that I've been in this space. And while that has obviously presented its own challenges, it has kept it really exciting. And I think that it's only provided more opportunity in this space because it's made video, which really does open so many more doors for you as challenging as it can be. It's given people the the space to create longer form content, to provide more value to their audience and to speak to their audience in a new way. Yeah, no, I I love that because... uh... Even for myself, like I didn't realize how much I was more of a visual person until everything started shifting. And I was like, oh, they don't have a video for that. Like, and I'm scrolling through, like, I literally am looking for a video or audio content because I don't want to read it. Yeah. Which is kind of crazy because I have loads and loads of books everywhere, but I will buy the book and then I'll get the audio. And then I'll probably go search for if there's a video clip of anybody talking about it and get in a summary of it. So 
it's it's quite crazy how much information is out there and how much video has kind of changed the the game on a lot of stuff. So yeah. yeah, and it really I think what you're touching on is the way that it's changed how we consume content and how we want to consume content because before we were all satisfied with photo content, we were not wondering where the video was, we were not wishing there was more video, but that's the the beauty of those technology advancements where even something, you know, if we go back to like the iPhone, no one knew they wanted an iPhone until the iPhone was created, right? And it was this new technology. And so kind of is the same thing with TikTok. None of us really realized we wanted this video content that we wanted to be able to scroll and discover new creators so fast on mm-hmm. something like a For You page, but it has come onto the scene and it's impacted the way that we want to see content which has then, of course, impacted how brands have to create content, which is a really big challenge for a lot of brands because creating video content does take a lot more resource and time to do that rather than a photo. And so it's been an adjustment for every brand out there who is producing content. Yeah. And then the next question from that comes to mind is like the return on investment. So even even though it's like short content, does it actually give that kind of return on investment that would have, say, been happening like, eight years ago or like five years ago versus now? Like, what are your thoughts in terms of the return on investment that you see with your clients? Well, my favorite way that our clients tell us they see return on investment is when they actually get clients from the content that we've posted. So one of our clients before she worked with us, she's an interior designer actually. And she used to get like three leads a week, which is honestly a lot of leads to begin with. But when she started working with us within just a couple of months, she started getting like 15 qualified leads every single week from her social media. And so what that tells us is that that content is really connecting with her audience. And it's showing them that she is the solution really to the problem that they have, which is that they need someone to help them design their homes. And that the content has shown them that she can take them from their struggle point, point A to point B, which is a beautiful home and the solution they're really looking for. And so when we think about how does content do that, TikTok and Pinterest are really search engines. So when you think about how do we use those platforms, it's we're searching for a purpose. On Pinterest, it might be for a recipe or it might be for home decor inspo. And on TikTok, it might be for dating advice, or it might be for how do I put on my bronzer in the morning, right? But it's utilizing social media as search engines. And while Instagram and Facebook aren't necessarily search engines right now, because they don't have a lot of discoverability in the same way that other platforms do, it still does allow your followers, the people who have already found you to continue to consume your content and to be warmed up to the point where they want to inquire about working with you if you're a service or they want to go to your website and actually directly purchase your product. So I would say that ROI has only exponentially increased when it comes to content since 2015, because A, there's more consumers on the platform. There's over 2 billion active users on Instagram alone. So that tells us a lot. TikTok has now become the number one social media platform in less than three years, which is crazy. And when we look at how are people using platforms, shopping is becoming more and more popular, especially on Instagram, where they now have like the direct shop features, you can run ads where you can directly shop on platforms now. And so all of that goes to say that ROI is really obviously what everyone is looking for. And it really is attainable when you have the right strategy behind your content. Mm -hmm. So it sounds it sounds like a lot of it's coming, it's coming down to 
it cuts the the time for qualification of the lead. So everybody that's coming in, it's pretty much like either they're very high on the conversion rate or they're already qualified because they know exactly what you do. They know what you can provide and they've seen some of the quality based on the video. So you're already getting someone who's ready to take the wallet out. Exactly. Because on Instagram, if they're following you, they've consumed multiple pieces of content from you. We know that consumers need to see around seven or more pieces of content or see you seven plus times in order to want to buy something. And then if you look on TikTok, where people don't necessarily follow as much as they do just consume, when you find a creator on a For You page that you're like, oh, wow, this video is really great. You're going to go to their profile. You're going to binge the rest of their content. And you're going to immediately know if you want to buy from them or you want to follow them if they don't sell something directly. Right. And so all of that is you're getting warmed up and you're basically convincing yourself through their content that this is the right person that you want to work with. Therefore, when you actually do make that click, you're much more likely to become a paying customer rather than if you were to just find them on Google or it was recommended to it from a friend because that hasn't really proved, quote unquote, to you that this is the right person for you to work with. Yeah, makes total sense. So what are some of the challenges then that come up with someone who's using like uh, these methods or just kind of thinking of the, the new way of marketing or the new way of reaching clients? Like what are some of the challenges that you've seen with business owners? The most common challenge that I see is honestly the quantity of content that's needed to keep up on these platforms, especially with TikTok, you need so much content on that platform. And obviously it all needs to be video. And that can be very, very challenging for most brands in today's world, unfortunately. So I think that when you're considering which platforms you want to be active on, understanding your content bandwidth is extremely important. And it is one of the number one reasons why brands hire us and why brands hire social media managers in general is because it's difficult to keep up with on your own, even if you have an in-house team who can capture that content, actually turning raw video file or photo files into produced content with the caption, the hashtags, posting engagement, reporting, et cetera. There's a lot more that goes into it that you do realize along the way. But I think that, you know, at the end of the day, that content is a very difficult touch point. But once you nail it, it's something that you can just kind of keep the ball rolling with and build momentum on. So I I like that you touched on the bandwidth piece because it was, uh, I think it was hard enough to keep up with it, like in the early stages. And it's like, now it's like, you need more. And you need a different quality of the more. So it's not just, you know, slap a picture up there that has good lighting and some presets. It's now you need to have an actual video that almost looks like really great quality. And um, the audio is crisp. Everything looks like almost studio-like in some cases, that is. And yeah, to engage, like, depending on what type of business you're, you're kind of going with. So just kind of looking back on the ROI, like, uh, so I know we said four-step process so that you can see that ROI. So what do you generally like kind of recommend or use with your clients when you're going through this process of creating like a four-step piece? We have a four-step process that we follow for all of our client work. We call it the 95 media method. And it's just a great process that anyone can use to basically understand where you want to go and how you need to get there. So step one are determining your goals. 
So goals look different for every single person, but for most brands, your goal is to monetize your audience. But how are you going to hit that goal? That is where step two comes into play, and that is your strategy. So determining what is your strategy, but not just in a ball on its own, your strategy is 100% based on your goals. And that's what a lot of brands don't really understand is that, you know, your strategy is not what another brand strategy is going to be. It does not mean you need to be doing the exact same thing that someone else is doing. It really is dependent on your goal because I've had clients come to us and say, you know what? I really don't care about how many followers we have, which is music to my ears because no one should care about their follower count. But I really just care about building relationships with my audience. And so I really want you to focus on engagement because I know that's going to convert people into paying clients. Or they might say, hey, reach is really important to me. So I know, you know, we just want to expand our reach. We want to get in front of the right people. So our strategy would then be really reels focused because that's going to help you build maximum reach on Instagram in particular. So your strategy is what you build out that then impacts step number three, which is your execution. So how do you execute that? How do you execute your strategy, which is attached to your goals in that long-term effect? And the execution part, step number three, is the longest step. This is what is ongoing. It's never going to end, but... It's how you are applying the strategy that you've built. So if the goal is more reach for my brand, your strategy is reels, your execution is going to look like, okay, how many reels are we doing each week? What kind of you know copy are we using? How much engagement are we doing in the platform, et cetera. And as you execute, you're then going to be looking at the data, which is step number four along the way. And again, this is an ongoing step two. One and two, your goals. And your strategy are things that can be and should be, you know, reassessed, I would say every quarter, if not every quarter, every six months. But set number three and four, your execution and your data are pieces that you are going to be doing continuously as the days, weeks, months, and years go on. And that is all good. For us, we look at data every single week. So we send our brands that we work with a weekly analytics report. And that really just kind of captures all of the data because the number one mistake I see is that businesses and, you know, entrepreneurs are creating all this content. You're executing, you're doing a great job executing, but you're not looking at the data and the data will tell you what is working and what your audience is really wanting to see from you. And with that information, you should be creating more of what is doing well because your audience is already loving it. And the things that are not doing so hot, we leave them in the dust. We acknowledge them and we say, thank you. Goodbye. We are not going to continue doing this. And so that data is extremely important along the way. Um, and really looking at that, not only week to week, but being able to take that zoom out, um, maybe two to three times a year and say, okay, big picture. What are the trends that we're seeing? Are we seeing that content reach is doing really well, but our follower count is going down? Why are these numbers not lining up? Why are they not hitting our goals going back to step number one? And how do we reassess our strategy in order to get these numbers back up? So this 95 Media method is really kind of a cyclical process where you're continuously going back and you're reassessing and adjusting what you're doing to make sure that you are always working towards your end goals every single day. Okay. And, you know, when you were talking, the first thing that I was thinking when you said, if someone's not focused on the followers, it's music to your ears. Is there any reason or any time that you would actually be fo um, focused on your followers or your follower count? 
That's a really great question. Um, so some brands believe or have been told, you know, my reputability is based on my follower count and we only have 10,000 followers and our competition has 300,000. And so that isn't a good look for us. And I acknowledge that, right? You know, a lot of our online presence is based on the impact that we can make. And oftentimes that impact is superficially based on our follower count. And so at the end of the day, yes, you know, increasing your follower count is going to help you because it's going to help get your content in front of the right people. But the caveat to that is that if the wrong people are following you, they're not going to be engaging with your content. Therefore, the people who are following you because they do want to consume your content are not actually going to see it because the algorithm is going to say, oh, no, their audience doesn't like their content. I'm not going to continue pushing it out to the people who have engaged with it in the past because clearly it sucks. Clearly no one wants to see it. And so that's the trouble with, you know, wanting to buy followers, wanting to get bought followers, and increase your accounts superficially is you're going to look like you have 100,000 followers and you're going to get five likes on your content. And there's going to be this huge disparity, not only to the consumer who can, of course, see that even if you hide your like count, which a lot of brands try and do to get around that issue, but also the people who actually want to consume your content aren't going to be able to see it. So the only time to answer your question, the only time that I would actually care about follower count is if you are really organically growing it. Usually that happens with a huge influx of content that you're able to produce. So if you're increasing how much content you're producing, you obviously want to see results from that. And that should increase your follower count. Or if you've just increased the amount of engagement time that you are putting into the account, which is manual time, you are actively in the account, commenting on other people's content, replying to stories in a really authentic way, et cetera. Or if you're running a giveaway, which is, you know, requiring people to follow you in exchange for entering the giveaway. Those are all reasons to really care about your follower count outside of the, of course, like acknowledging that this does build your reputability. But at the end of the day, your follower count does not convert to how many paying clients you have. And I've seen a lot of brands with 2000 followers making a million dollars a year and a lot of businesses with 500,000 followers who can't make a hundred grand a year. And so at the end of the day, just remember that your follower count really, really does not mean anything. So I love that you went into detail on this because, you know, even though you, you know, it, sometimes I think people forget that it's just a vanity metric in some senses and there are bigger, there are bigger things to focus on in the business. So yeah. I'm glad you brought that up. So Let's talk content because a lot of it is going to be based on not just the bandwidth, as you mentioned, but also kind of the quality content. So when you're thinking of the content buckets that people need to focus on or look at, I think you said there were three that you normally pull out. So what are those three when you're trying to build connection and loyalty? Yeah, the three content buckets that we always go back to, and this has held true since the beginning is education, vulnerability, and validation. And so these are the three buckets that you really want to be rotating through in your content every single week, not only for strategy, but it also helps you because it creates a guideline for you and helps you not just start from ground zero every time you're creating a post. So education is that bucket that we all love to live in and most brands stay in and it's a safe bubble and never venture out of it. And this is a post like three ways to do X, Y, and Z, five things you're doing wrong in this category, et cetera, right? 
And this is easy to produce content because it's probably what you're already telling customers or already talking about on your website or in your offer. And this is needed. By no means should this go away, but it should not be the only bucket that you are producing content inside of. Validating content is the content where you're, it's sometimes a bit, it has a crossover with education, but it's validating in the sense of it tells your audience that you understand where they are and you are the solution from getting them to from point A to point B, as I mentioned before. So validating content might be something like, I was just talking to a matchmaker last night. And so it's kind of top of mind for me. So she was saying she works with, you know, affluent men who are looking to get married. And I was like, that's such an interesting niche in matchmaking. And so for her, validating content might be creating a piece of content that says, hey, listen, I know that you're really successful. I know that you're doing well. And I know that you're really looking for just a partner, a life partner to settle down with and to build a life with. And this is how I can help you find that woman for in your life, right? And so while it's saying, here's how I can help you. And so therefore it's a bit of education. It's speaking to the journey and it's really validating them and saying, listen, I get it. Like you're not alone in it. And there's also a solution. You don't have to stay stuck in this issue or problem that you're facing that I can help you through. Mm-hmm. And then vulnerable content is the piece that no one likes to dip their toes in. It's the scary one. And I know it sounds intimidating, but it's really not that scary. It does not need to be talking about your childhood trauma on your Instagram. It can really just be saying, hey, you know, I've been through this too. I understand, you know, I I also started single and I've been through this struggle and I've been on 50 Bumble dates a year. And this is how I got through it, right? So vulnerable content is oftentimes really rooted in storytelling. And that's how you're able to build a really deep connection with your audience because you are allowing them to see you as the person and the human you are behind your brand. Mm -hmm. So, you know, does that work better for like personal brands versus the business brand? Because I feel like that would kind of lean more into like the the personal brand? It's a great question because on the surface, you could see that, but I also recently did a case study on Sephora, which is obviously not a personal brand, and they use these buckets too. And the way they do this is through user-generated content, UGC, right? So although they're not saying, hey, this is our brand story and this is how Sephora got started, which honestly wouldn't be a bad post to make, but they're utilizing their consumers to tell the story. And so they recently made a post about a woman of color who is a pilot and she was, it was a kind of a get ready with me video. And she was telling the story of her journey into becoming a pilot and how she never saw women like her as pilots. And now she's able to be that example for other, you know, girls who want to be pilots who may not see other examples of that. And she's doing this while she's putting on her makeup for the day in her uniform and she's using products from Sephora. And so that right there is vulnerable content. And that allows you to really connect with the brand, but also connect with the consumer and the person who's talking about her journey. No, I love that because that was the first thought that came to my mind. So I am sure someone else would have thought of that as well in terms of how would I do that if I'm trying to go out there as a business brand, not a personal brand. So I'm glad you cleared that up because that's actually a really cool way of doing that. So, you know, we all, we talk about strategy. So I know the four, the four step process is um, identifying the goal or determining the goal, 
um, jumping into the strategy, making sure that you're clear on that, and then going into execution and doing that cycle to monitor the data to make sure that you have you can measure and track that ROI. So when someone is um, in that process and they and you're working with them and they realize like either a strategy or a tactic doesn't work, how do you like support them through the course correction? Like what are some of the things that you do to support them with um, getting in front of their target audience? Is there a way that you can track when things go sideways? Yeah, I mean, that really comes back to looking at your data consistently, because the worst that can happen is that you haven't looked at your data for three months. And then all of a sudden, after three months, you look at the information and you go, oh, my God, our content is terrible. No one's liking it. No one's engaging with it. And so when you look at it week to week, it's good to not get super caught up in those red numbers that you might see week to week. But when you look at, okay, here's 30 days, here's 60 days of data, we're really seeing a trend here. People are not liking X kind of content, but they're really liking Y. You can then say, okay, that's totally fine. That sucks because I might like really, I really might like making the X type of content. And sometimes that happens where the content we enjoy making just doesn't hit with our audience and that's okay. But looking at the data and being able to assess it and say, okay, you know, this is not performing the way that we thought it was. And that was a big part of our strategy. So let's go back to the drawing board and redo this type of content. It might not mean scratching it. It could just mean let's reassess how we produce it. So Mm -hmm. if it's a reels, for example, and it, you know, part of your strategy is using trending sounds to increase your reach and your brand exposure, which is a great strategy. But those trending audio reels are just not hitting the way you thought they were going to hit. Reassess the way you're utilizing trending audio. If all of your trending audio reels have been you mouthing words to the trending audio, okay, stop using that type of trending audio. Utilize a trending audio that maybe is just a sound and you utilize a B-roll clip from your camera roll and you are putting text over it rather than you doing front facing. It doesn't mean you have to stop altogether. It can just mean let's look at it, adjust, and then look at the data a couple of weeks later to see if this has improved our numbers. Okay. I love that because you're because you're there's like a little bit of instant gratification that I think everybody goes through. But then, you know, it's kind of like centering back to, okay, well, give it 30 days, give it 60 days, let's look at what makes sense, what's not making sense, and do an A to B analysis like just to see okay if this one works that one doesn't work let's scrap it let's not be married to the idea and move on so i love that okay so three marketing tips that you can share with folks yes three marketing <laughs> tips well i really think that it's so important to start before you're ready and that's something that we all get kind of caught up in where, you know, we want everything to be perfect. We want it to be polished and we want it to really represent our brand well. And we want our website to be beautiful before we create the brand on Instagram. And really, it's so important to start before you are ready. Nothing needs to be perfect. And in fact, it's probably going to perform better if it's not perfect, if it's not polished. And, you know, hand in hand with that is waiting too long when you're maybe launching something or if you're starting a new brand, 
Don't wait until everything is ready to sell. Build your audience and build their excitement around what you're creating before it's available. This is a huge mistake I see. And I was just talking to a brand the other day who was like, no, 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 I don't want to start our Instagram before our website is up and our offers are perfect and we can sell everything. And I said, there's no reason to do that. Like, I know that this is an investment of your time and your money, but at the end of the day, you're going to see a greater ROI if you start early and you build that hype around what you're creating. So that's, mm-hmm. that's one. I know that's a long one, but number two would be show your face on camera more than you think that you should. You know, this is an intimidating factor as well, where we all want our makeup done and we don't want to show up without our, you know, outfits on for the day. But get ready with me videos are popular for a reason. Everyone loves the authentic, candid content that we're that is really popular right now and that a lot of creators are putting out there. And it's because it allows them to connect with you as a human being. And really, at the end of the day, any kind of front-facing content where you're in front of the camera is going to have that effect and it's going to accomplish that end goal. So your audience really wants to associate a face with your brand. If that's not you, then utilize user-generated content, as we mentioned before, to get that goal accomplished for yourself. And then the last one would really just be to do the weird thing that feels a little crazy. That might be a get ready with me video when you're not a beauty influencer, but I've seen it really work for this one coach that I follow does a get ready with me every single day. She is not a beauty influencer. She does not sell makeup products, but it allows her audience to do a fun Q&A with her in the morning for her to show up without makeup on and to just allow you to feel a part of her day, which is a really successful strategy. And that might feel crazy for you, but it's something like that that will set you apart from your competition when everyone else is doing the same thing. Yeah, no, I love that. So it really does come back to how do you be kind of real and authentic on camera or just with your audience in general to build that connection. Mm -hmm. It really does. A hundred percent. I think that when you're, when you allow yourself to be candid, you allow your audience to see you for who you are, which is a human and which is the person that they're hiring at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I love that. So what's next for you in 95 Media? So I am really excited. We we're always expanding at 95 Media, but we've actually just created a podcast offer, which is so fun because we're on a podcast. And we also have our own podcast, the Stop Scrolling Start Scaling podcast, which really inspired us to create this. We are stepping into the podcast production space, but we're doing it in a really content forward way because we are obviously a digital marketing agency. And at our core, we believe in the impact of content and the mistake I've seen so many podcasts make is that everyone creates this incredible podcast. Like the material is so great and we focus on the audio production. But if no one is getting there, if no one's listening to the audio file, then that's not actually reaching your target audience. And so we're building out, we've built out this offer that allows podcast creators and podcast hosts to create or have us create so much beautiful content that really represents their podcast which I'm just so excited to get into the world because we've been working on it for so long. And, you know, the impact that it's going to make is just be absolutely major. Yeah, that that is going to be really, really game changing for a lot of people because 
like you said, there's a lot of investment that goes into it between not just finding the guests or like, you know, kind of queuing up the guests, but also just the the audio production and everything else and putting it out. But yeah, it's always like use um, the listens, how many downloads, like how do you grow it? And that's usually the marketing part that people forget. It is. And it really is the part no one thinks about when you start a podcast. You're like, oh, let me get the microphone. Let me get Riverside. Let me get all the tools to set this up. But then you create this beautiful podcast and then no one knows about it. So that content that we are helping brands create now is allowing them to scale their podcast and get in front of the right people. And that's really just so exciting for us to be able to offer. I can't wait to see that. Okay. So where can people find you and 95 Media? Yeah. So our website is 95media.co. I am most active on Instagram. So it's 90.5.media on Instagram. We also have the Stop Scrolling, Start Scaling podcast where Shauna, you're going to be a guest on as well, which is awesome. And we have a free course. uh, If you're interested in learning how to create content that converts in under 30 minutes a day, masteryourmarketingcourse.co is an amazing resource, entirely free to join, but will really just teach you how to produce content that connects with your audience and ultimately converts them to paying clients. Awesome. Okay. So I'm so glad we got to do this because lots and lots and lots of good stuff. And it didn't just cover the four-step process. We went into a lot of some of the challenges that people talked about that people are always staying up at night for. And just the fact that there's so much changes that happened over the last even eight years since you've been in it. And even the last two years happening right now, and it all boils down to what's the best way to just connect and build the loyalty with your audience. That's yeah. the the main thing. And, and I think you guys are doing such a fantastic job with that. So I'm really glad that you're here. And thank you again for being on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. This was so fun. Thank you for listening to the Scale to Grow podcast. To work with us or access free resources, head over to www.concaveservices.com. And don't forget to leave us a review. See you on the next episode.